everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the Serverless Mindset podcast, where today I'm joined by Sam Williams from Complete Coding. Uh, Sam has become a bit of a celebrity and an influencer in sort of the serverless space on social media, and I've been following him and really appreciating a lot of his uh, valuable advice, uh, particularly on serverless best practices, as well as how to become sort of a a proficient and a confident serverless developer. And that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me and thank you for the lovely introduction. Of course. Uh, Sam, why don't you just give briefly um, tell us something about yourself, introduce yourself uh, other than maybe the things I've already said, and um, and then we'll, we'll kick it off. Yeah, perfect. So... I've been using AWS and serverless 100% for the last about five years now. And two years ago, um, after working at a startup for the first three years of serverless, I decided that I was going to become a consultant. At that time, I already had a YouTube channel, so had worked with customers, helping them to use serverless through YouTube. And then from there, I've been working with a wide range of startups um, basically helping them to make the most of the advantage that serverless can offer to get them basically a step ahead in the game. That sounds great. The question that I have for you today is how to become a confident serverless developer. So share your thoughts there. Okay, that's, you a, think? that's a really good one because, yeah, a lot of people talk about how to get started as a developer, how to how to get the basics, how to become a junior like how to even get your first serverless job that's talked about a lot but yeah as you as you probably thought like there isn't much information about how do you go from getting that first job or being kind of i know how to use serverless but transforming it from that to okay i'm very confident and i'm gonna i'm happy to take on more and more complex projects so i think the first part is having a really strong foundation because if you don't have that level of foundation, then when you're trying to use these more advanced techniques or patterns or combine different services, if you don't have that fundamental understanding of how those services are working, then you're going to run into issues when something pops up that it's a very specific or niche thing to do with that one service, which kind of puts a spanner in the works in what you were designing. So I think once you have got to the level that you are, like you're confident building a very basic application, simple API gateway, Lambda, Dynamo, maybe you've used some of the other services like SNS, SES, maybe even a bit of event bridge. I think it'd be it's really good to go deep and try and almost try and build apps to break those core services, try and find where, find those situations where Dynamo doesn't quite work the way you want or where Lambda, it, yeah, find the, the cases where it might not work ideally in another situation. And I think that you can just get that naturally through working your normal job and doing your normal everyday kind of development process. But I think if you really want to accelerate that, then 
trying and focusing on projects that are constantly pushing what you know is a really good way of doing it. Like focusing on, yeah, designing your own, like these apps don't have to be production ready. They're just aiming to give you experience using the tools in a different way that expand your knowledge. So I think that's a big bit because I'm a massive proponent for getting practical experience over just reading and learning in a more traditional sense because yeah you can you can read you could read the whole dynamo db uh, book and you could read that cover to cover and if you're not actually doing anything with it if you're not actually using those patterns if you're not applying what you're learning i don't think you quite get the same level of understanding as yeah as if you were implementing it and like getting your hands dirty i think is a a good bit of advice that's that's excellent yeah i i i fully resonate with that i like your your sort of uh that whole thing of finding ways to sort of break break the happy path right so obviously you know you we've got all these uh as you say you've got the books we've got the tutorials we've got the and and they all like like when you condense it down, they they all pretty much try and present very sort of similar scenarios. So that once you've watched one, so once you've read uh, one of those, then you pretty much you've got you've got the happy path. You know how that's gonna look like. But then you're absolutely right. I, I've noticed even just myself the times where I have felt that myself or others as well where you know you feel like you're adding the most value is when something goes wrong and there's somebody in the team who's like wait i've seen that before that's that's what's caused by it, right and uh, you know especially i think with aws where that aws i i like i i always say that like the documentation is like is very correct it's like it's mathematically is almost like empirically correct it's so it's it's if you look hard enough everything is in there it's not like anything's missing but it's not necessarily friendly and so um you know if you if you find that uh, a non-happy path and something breaks if you dig deep enough eventually you will find in the documentation what it is that that caused that thing uh, to break but the question is you know or at least i suppose the, the 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 reality is if you've got somebody in the team who's already seen that and knows how to do it that's that might save you several hours right yeah, or even several days. I've, yeah. I've worked with one or two startups where they've had like one problem that's been bugging them for a very long time and like literally like 10 minutes of discussing what's going on and what kind of uh, architecture they're using. And I'm like, have you tried just doing this or have you set that setting on the Dynamo table or like little small tweaks, usually to some like some minor setting and that will just because I've because usually it's I made that exact same mistake three years ago. Right. Yeah. And it hurt me, it burned me. I spent three or four days trying to debug it. So now every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, I, I know what that is. Um so yeah, really focusing on that. And I think one of the points you just made, which is about tutorials and courses often focus on the happy path. And I think when you are learning for the very first time a new service it's brilliant that courses and that videos and that tutorials focus on the happy path because when you're first introduced to a new service you don't want to be thinking about the exceptions but 
yeah, that there is always that next step. And that's kind of what this whole uh, podcast episode is about is what is that next step going from I'm confident on the happy path to I'm confident even when we stray, even when things go wrong, like that, I'm still comfortable in that kind of chaotic realm. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So give it to me again, just in almost like, you know, bullet points, if it, as it were. So you, you had strong foundations was the first thing. And then. So, yeah. And then building projects that. Building push. projects. So I think so, yeah, projects are the biggest thing that are going to, that are going to build your confidence because right. you'll have seen more things. You'll have like, it's like ideally start with the happy path, but then try and put in some, some cases where you even like, I think they call it chaos engineering, where you deliberately put in bugs or where you deliberately have cases where you know it's going to fail and making sure that your system can handle it because the real world is chaotic. It is a mess. Right. Things are going to fail. If you're, if you've only ever seen the happy path, then an error is going to seem scary. If you know, if you've built your app, and you've got tests in there and you've got cases that you've built specifically to handle failure, you'll see an error and go, oh, that error is good because I've already handled it, because my system is designed to expect more than just the happy path. And yeah, that's where I think your confidence can grow because you're confident not just in the very small happy path, but you're not now confident in the much, much wider range of the unhappy path. And even if it's something that you've never seen before, it's a new error. The fact that you are already used to thinking about the error case, you're used to thinking about how things go wrong and how you can handle them. A new error comes along. You've already got that thought process for how to approach that and how to resolve that without yeah, without panicking or getting stressed. Right. That, oh no, it's a bug. This is the end of the world. It's like, oh no, it's a bug. Here's here's my three or four steps that I do to debug it. And then once right. we know what it is, here's like three or four options we have for first how to mitigate it and then how to resolve it. Right. I like that. Um it when you were talking, it made me think of that um that quote from Werner Vogels. I think it's everything everything is going to break all the time or something along those lines but uh, the idea <laughs> yeah. is you, know, you start always start with the assumption uh, everything will break uh, will break uh, um at some point or another i suppose but no i, I really like that and it, it's really interesting what you said because it's it's almost like there's, there's two things there right one is as you try and build all these projects you end up kind of the thing we just talked about, which is you end up in a place where you have seen some of the things that could go wrong already and you've got a solution for it already. But the other the other side that sort of develops uh, in you is that sort of problem-solving ability, right? So yes, you, you end up sort of developing this almost um, collection of things that you've seen and that's helpful. But even on the things that you haven't seen, you've now internally developed this uh, ability to problem-solve and to calmly sort of you know, assess and then attack the problem and and find a solution for it, right? And that that yeah. that 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 somebody like that will inherently look confident, even even when you you don't really know what you're doing. But 
if you know if you have a process for attacking a problem like that you will you will um display a certain degree of of confidence right yeah definitely i like that um going back to so obviously so we had now we now have this uh really nice sort of two step uh sort of process for becoming confident which is step number 1 build some strong foundations and then step number 2 start building as many projects as possible ideally trying to break things as as you go right yeah so now going back then to the first step which is strong foundation i'm curious what would you say uh in terms of foundations what would you say are sort of the almost the non-negotiables as it were the the really important ones that that you must you know we, we you you meant you said i think rightly you know it's better to kind of go practical than spend a lot of time reading a lot of documentation but if you were to sort of narrow it down to what, what would be the, the few things that you must know from a from a theoretical standpoint before you you get going and start building projects so i don't think there's a like this is a fixed list i think this is mm-hmm. kind of a spectrum and it's not just do step one do step two it's right. more like do step one with the core services then do step two with the core services, then like add some extra services, add some extra patterns. So if you're just getting into AWS and serverless, start with API gateway, Lambda functions, and DynamoDB using it in its most simple form. So doing gets, sets, and some basic querying. Get that working and then try and break it. Once you're happy and you're used to working with that, it's like, okay, you might go, I'm going to look into single table design and how I can optimize my database schema. Or you might go, okay, I'm going to look into event bridge or SNS. And I think it's more of a, an iterative process of pick a service, go deep on that service, get used to breaking that service. And now you're comfortable with that service in your kind of application repertoire and then just go on to the next service. And it's because stuff in AWS changes so often and serverless, I think, is particularly uh, guilty of this. Like you can learn things and two years later, it's completely out of date and absolutely useless. So you need to go back and re-attack those services that you used to think, uh, you know, I know this because... A lot of my old YouTube videos are now completely out of date, which is rather frustrating. But I think constantly being looking out for, oh, I didn't know that. that That's something I want to add to my list for building up my foundational knowledge and experience. And then, yeah, just continuously jumping between the two stages of understanding on a technical level whether it's through reading documentation or tutorials and then building up the experience first in the happy path and then how, how it breaks failure modes. Um, but yeah, I think it depends at what level you are. If you're starting out, as I said, Lambda, API Gateway, simple DynamoDB. I think if you're, a, if you're a developer that is confident using those three things, at most startups, you would be a productive member of a serverless te- dev team. Obviously, as you move up to more of a senior level, you want to have a much wider range of skills and experience. So yeah, EventBridge, looking into database schema design and how that works would be like 
some of the avenues. Um, I am planning for for the new year like a kind of a serverless roadmap, which is here's the services you need to learn first, and then kind of you can fork off into like database, and then there's like ten different paths that you can learn about databases, learn about like event bridge, learn about SQS, and each of those will then fork off. And I suppose it depends what you're interested in, and also what your what you're using as part of your job, assuming you are like working as a serverless developer, most of the time it's, oh, there's this new feature we need to build. To build that properly, I need to use this service. Okay, that's what I'm going to learn next. And yeah, basically just working your way down that tree of um, that roadmap tree and yeah, find it getting deeper and deeper into certain things. But other things, if, for example, if you never use uh, SES because you're using some other email provider, there's no point learning the the ins and outs and the really technical details around how SES works if your company never uses it. So I think it's everyone needs to have their own personal like development journey and experience journey based on who they are, what they like, and what they're using. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and yes, of course, yeah, it's 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 sort of like it's a journey, as you said. And you start with these found these these foundations that you kind of it's it's almost imp- if you're in serverless and if you're in AWS, it's impossible to get away from API Gateway, and Lambda, and Dynamo. It, th- those are absolutely the foundations. And then, as you say, you sort of go on a uh, use case by use case. I I've got a couple extra, a uh, couple more questions for you. One, one is maybe slightly controversial. I have definitely got myself in trouble for talking about that before, but uh, you mentioned uh, API Gateway Lambda Dynamo being sort of a, the foundations, as we said. I have got myself in trouble in the past for uh, saying that uh, I don't think that, that those are just sort of um, you know, foundational from the standpoint of you know, your learning, but I think that they are also perfectly valid for building a project, even you know, a small startup, a small company that's just starting out. If you start building your project just using those, and you don't worry too much about the likes of, uh, you know, about sort of, for example, having a, a fully event-driven system or having you know, a, a super sophisticated uh, data modeling and single-table design and all that. If you don't worry about that to begin with, I personally believe that that is a totally viable and even maybe preferable way of, of starting starting a project because then at that point you still have all the components all the the underlying technologies still support your growth and allow you to then start adding those elements right as you grow but obviously uh, a lot of those things aren't considered best practice by 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 whoever is out there designing what the best practices are so what <laughs> so i've i've definitely got myself in trouble in the past for for saying these things what, what what do you think about that um honestly i think you're pretty pretty spot on with that <laughs> the first startup i worked at we built from a team of basically five developers up to it must have been about 45 developers with a very very large uh, turnover like um and revenue and then one day we did a course on AWS for the DynamoDB specialty kind of stuff. And we learned we weren't doing anything to do with best practices for DynamoDB. And at that point, the company was worth probably 15 million pounds. You can grow a startup to a really, really 
impressive level using these using it in the most simplistic way possible and without having to have very complicated single table design not understanding the complexities behind things like partitioning and how to optimize your sort keys you can you can build really good apps and i think as long as you're focusing on the business requirements and how you're providing yes. value to your customer yeah there may be a more efficient way to do it there may be a technically more appropriate way or a fancier way of doing it but as long as you're serving the needs of your users and yes. your customers that's the priority if you don't know about single table design but you can kind of achieve your desired result using just five or six different tables perfect go for that get i'd, I'd rather see someone delivering features that are helping yes. their customers than spending ages trying to come up with the be- the technically best solution and then it's still three months later and they've still not delivered any features. I, I so, so agree. I might actually just write down a quote of, from what you just said and put it on a, on a frame here in my office. And I, I love that. Um, no, but it's, it's that whole idea of, which to me, in my mind, that's what I've always found about serverless, sort of the most attractive aspect of it, which is it sort of shifts back our attention as developers from what ends up inevitably being a lot of sometimes uh, premature optimization it shifts your attention from that to actually the customer, right? What are their needs? What can we do to deliver as much value uh, as quickly as possible, focusing on what they need as opposed to, you know, maybe building, I don't know, the most brilliant uh, Kubernetes cluster uh, in the background that no one ever cares about. And, and it's never going to be as good as what we could get for free from from some serverless services anyway that you know, yeah. people much smarter than us have built. Uh, um, I have one last question then uh, for you before before we part ways, and it's um, so obviously you've at this point you've helped countless developers getting becoming confident and getting up to speed with serverless, and you, you like I've been absolutely amazed just by following you on social media and seeing the courses that you've been producing, and it's 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 just incredible. So uh, ob- one one I suppose criticism or or, or yeah, sort of criticism that I that I often hear from people is, um, you know, they find that getting getting sort of to grips with serverless and the wider sort of AWS ecosystem can be can be difficult. They people don't find the documentation maybe to be particularly intuitive uh, and all that. What what's your assessment of sort of both from official the official resources and the unofficial resources, I guess, but overall. What would be your assessment, having having all this experience um, of those learning resources with AWS, and 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 what would you improve, if anything? So I think the the main AWS site and the like the main official docs can be very confusing, as you say. They've got all the information is there, but finding the right bit of information is often like really hard. Um, whether it's trying to dig through the SDK documentation or looking on the main website for an example of how they've set something up, it's often really hard to, they have like one perfect solution or they have one very specific example that works and then you've got to try and figure out from there. What I do think is that 
the AWS has a load of labs and these labs are usually made by the teams that actually build the services. So for example, there's like an absolutely amazing DynamoDB lab, but the labs aren't publicized anywhere near as much as they should be. And I think that I think there's now a page on AWS where you can list all of the different labs that are available. And there's like 50 of them and they are really good for hands-on practical learning outside of the official like AWS created content. I think the, the quality varies a lot. And one of the challenges with AWS is it's so unopinionated that you can do the same thing in about five different ways, even right. with serverless. It's like the the ways you can structure your repo structure, the seven different frameworks you can use to deploy a, a Lambda function. There's so many different ways to do the same thing that I think if you're going to, to try and learn, pick one creator, pick one teacher and try and follow them because learning in a consistent way means that you're not having to figure out how to take what you learned from that uh, CDK tutorial, merge it with something you learn in the serverless framework and then deploy it in SAM. <laughs> transpile those things in your head is going to add complexity massively. I'd pick yeah. one framework and pick one creator because then they, that content you're consuming will be consistent. Once mm -hmm. you've learned the, that concept, once you're comfortable in that space, you can start exploring other frameworks, other patterns, but then you'll, you'll already have the perspective of, I know this, I'm confident with this, let's have a look at something else and see how I could either adapt what I'm doing at the moment or pull in little bits of, of technique or patterns from other people's experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. No, that, that, that's great. Um, definitely uh, I'll add a link to the AWS labs, uh, page as well on the, on the show notes, because that's, that, that's a good one. And probably most people forget that those exist. So thanks so much for pointing those out. And yes, you're right. I mean, there, there is no right there. I think it's fair to say there's no right or wrong way to do things when it comes to the cloud in general, you've got all these different building blocks and um, honestly, almost any combination of those that achieves your desired outcome is valid and so you know you, you'll see you go online and you see any 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 number of different ways of doing the same thing and you just get confused if you if you don't have the right context and so you're right in saying yes i mean just you know, focus on one framework focus on one maybe person who's sort of got a has got a consistent way of doing things and learn that first and then maybe branch out. Sam, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. We could go on for probably another half an hour, to be honest. Uh, but uh, thank you. Yeah, easily, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And where can people find out more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, so my main three places are LinkedIn, where I post daily around serverless, technology, and generally anything AWS and startup-based. If you're interested in some more technical tutorial kind of stuff, then YouTube, I've got a channel called Complete Coding, which um, is, yeah, is going to be really good for giving you that consistent information. Uh, and I've also recently released a course which takes you from zero to AWS uh, confident and competent developer by building out seven practical projects. So yeah, I can 
send those links across to you. And those are probably the three best places to find me. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll and we'll make sure to add all of those links to the show notes so then people can easily access them. Well, Sam, thank you. Thank you again so much. And hopefully we'll we'll talk soon. Definitely. Thank you very much. Thank you. And don't forget to share this episode if you liked it and to subscribe to our newsletter on the serverlessmindset.com. Thank you very much and see you next time.